Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The third hour of the program today. I'll take your phone calls should you wish. 877-973-7425. Before I do, we should talk about crack pipes. I am somewhat skeptical in nature, particularly when the herd heads in one direction. Uh, my disposition, and it's just, it's my personality. It always has been, is that when everyone is, is headed in one direction, I tend to either dig my heels in and say, no, I'll watch and wait, or I go in the other direction. And rarely am I wrong for doing so. The herd uh, can run off the cliff. The lemmings run off the cliff. It's good sometimes to just observe. You know, so I'm obviously I do talk radio for a living. Uh, I talk for three hours a day. And Charlie, my producer, is notorious for going to a meeting and saying nothing. Keeps his mouth shut, says nothing. Uh, it makes people nervous, actually, because he's a kind of uh, intimidating uh, person to look at. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna run into this guy, and and it's gonna cause me trouble. It's it's the it's the scowl and the tattoos, really. But nonetheless, I go to meetings with him, and it's always great because we go to meetings, and he just says nothing ever. He just listens. And people don't realize he's actually mute. Uh, He can't speak. Uh, Years ago, he had this terrible accident uh, where he was trying to shove his younger brother down the stairs. And when his younger brother fell, John, his younger brother, flipped his his feet up too quickly. And it caught Charlie in the jaw and severed his tongue. And he he can't talk anyway. Uh, he's, He's mute. So he sits in these meetings and says nothing and intimidates people. And little do they know that, I mean, Helen Keller is more articulate than he is. And it intimidates them. I myself talk for three hours a day. And then I shut up. And I like to listen and see what other people are saying. And I get a little skeptical sometimes when everyone is headed in the same direction. And the herd so often, not only does it get things wrong, but then it goes into damage control mode, circles the wagons and refuse to acknowledge the mistake. Months ago, the Washington Free Beacon, a conservative news site in Washington, ran a story that the Biden administration was going to give crack pipes to drug addicts. 
And the media went into CYA mode for Biden, circled the wagons and said, absolutely not. This is a nonsensical story. Uh, they started squabbling over the nuances of how you read particular sentences. And the Washington Free Beacon doubled down on the story uh, and major media outlets slimed the Free Beacon, slimed their reporters, smeared them, engaged in character assassination, and would not acknowledge they were reading it accurately. In fact, uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, denied and denounced. Uh, shift gears only slightly to sure. truck pipes. Um, okay. You said in February that no money from a $30 million uh, harm reduction program would fund distribution of crack pipes in safe smoking kits. The Washington Free Beacon uh, reported that they went to harm reduction facilities in five cities and all of those facilities had crack pipes in their kits. Um, HHS would not say which uh, programs had applied for funding and the recipient list is not out yet. So I'm just wondering if the White House can say if any taxpayer dollars paid for these crack pipes. No federal funding has gone to it. And is there any oversight to ensure that when that money goes out for the program that these organizations will not use federal dollars for crack pipes? This policy does not allow for crack pipes to be included. I would just note that this is a bit of a conspiracy theory that's been spread out there. It's not accurate. There's important drug treatment uh, programs for people who have been suffering from what we've seen as an epidemic across the country, and money is not used for crack pipes. Money is not used for crack pipes, she says, except guess what? They're there. This is from Patrick Huff at the Washington Free Beacon. Crack pipes are distributed in safe smoking kits up and down the East Coast, raising questions about the Biden administration's assertion that the multi-million dollar harm reduction grant program wouldn't funnel taxpayer dollars to drug paraphernalia. The findings are the result of a Washington Free Beacon visit to five harm reduction centers and calls to over two dozen more. In fact, every organization visited from Boston to New York to Washington to Baltimore to Richmond, Virginia, included crack pipes in the kits. The kits became the subject of national attention in the wake of the Free Beacons report in February, indicating that a $30 million harm reduction program was set to fund the distribution of free crack pipes in safe smoking kits. Pressed on the matter in February, White House Secretary Jen Psaki issued a full-throated denial saying they were never part of the kit. It's inaccurate reporting. A safe smoking kit may contain alcohol swabs, lip balm, and other materials to promote hygiene and reduce the transmission of diseases. While the contents of safe smoking kits vary from one organization to another, and while those from some organizations may not contain crack pipes, all of the organizations we visited made crack pipes as well as paraphernalia for using heroin, cocaine, and crystal methamphetamine readily available without requiring or offering rehabilitation services, suggesting that pipes are included in many, if not most, of the kits distributed across the country. All of the centers we visited are run by health-focused nonprofits and government agencies. The types of groups eligible to receive funding starting this month from the Biden administration's $30 million grant program. None of the organizations responded to inquiries about whether they applied for government grants. It's not clear which organizations will receive those grants, nor has the administration said how it will ensure the kits won't contain the crack pipes. A USA Today headline asking what's inside a smoke, safe smoking kit answered, no, it's not a crack pipe. The outlet based its fact check solely on the administration's denial. 
and does not appear to have done any additional research. Time and time again, the media has circled the wagons for Joe Biden on the story, and they're not going to revisit it. You and I both know darn well they're not going to go back and say, oops, our bad. In fact, what we're seeing right now is they're echoing Jen Psaki's excuse. Say, well, actually, you know, the federal funds, we, we don't know where it's gone yet, but we know it hasn't gone to crack pipes. How do you know? Because they're actually in. And can we, as an aside, point out how absurd the overall policy is? Instead of getting these people help, we're providing them the means to do drugs. Instead of helping them battle their addiction, we're giving them tubes. I mean, literally, I'm looking at one of these in Richmond, Virginia. Let me tell you what they got in Richmond, Virginia. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. In Richmond, Virginia, they have crack pipes, lip balm, alcohol wipes, a plastic razor blade and snort tubes in which to prepare your lines of cocaine and a syringe in which you can do heroin. That's what Richmond, Virginia is giving people. Uh, In Charm City, that would be Baltimore, they're giving um, crack pipes, snort tubes, uh, looks like little things to compress powder and alcohol rubs. In Washington, D.C., they're actually giving you the foil you can heat uh, to melt down um, crystallized product. In Boston, they're giving crack pipes and snort tubes and syringes. This is what they're giving people. They're they're incentivizing the use of drugs. At Charm City Care Connection, a nonprofit that provides harm reduction kits to combat oppression, an employee said identification is not required to receive a smoking kit, but did ask for initials, a date of birth, and a zip code before handing over two smoking kits that contained glass crack pipes as well as chore boy copper mesh, a cleaning product used to hold the crack rocks at the end of the pipe. The bag included directions for how to use the pipe, heat-resistant mouthpieces, wooden sticks for packing the mesh into the pipe, and alcohol wipes. More importantly, the organization provides all drug paraphernalia recipients an authorized harm reduction program participant card that serves as a get-out-of-jail-free card to show law enforcement because paraphernalia is otherwise illegal in Maryland. Charm City Connection receives funding from the Baltimore City and Maryland state governments, as well as funding from George Soros. In Boston, a man was seen injecting a needle into his calf 30 feet away from a police car outside the Access Harm Reduction Overdose Prevention and Education Facility run by the Boston Public Health Commission. Inside the facility, an employee wants your initials, date of birth, housing situation, and HIV status before offering drug equipment, including uh, crack pipes and syringes. In New York City at Alliance Lower Side East Harm Reduction Center, a young staffer offers up a menu of drug paraphernalia free of charge. Included on the menu is a booty bump kit 
for rectal ingestion of narcotics, which is recommended by many harm reduction centers as a safer way to use meth. The smoke kits include literature with safer smoking tips, including a warning that crack and meth can lead to unprotected sex by increasing your sex drive or making you more sexually passive. Other tips advise addicts to obtain crack from a source you trust and to smoke only a little bit first if unsure of its purity. In addition to chore boy copper mesh, the center gives out pipe screens, which work as an alternative to hold crack rock in pipes. The center advises the pipes are made of Pyrex, a stronger tempered glass for high heat. This is what your tax dollars are going for. The Biden administration denies it. The National Press Corps denies it. And yet it's true. And had they bothered to do the research, instead of circling the wagons around Joe Biden, they would have seen that it was true. Employees of the River City Harm Redux organization in Richmond, Virginia, were found at a table set up outside a hotel. There was a reporter asked for two crack smoking kits, but was told only one remained in the day's offerings. To make up for the shortcomings, the employees added a meth pipe along with two snorting kits, which include straws, a plastic razor blade to break up cocaine, short plastic straws, a small spoon, and a bedazzled playing card to snort drugs off of. Why are they making it so easy? You notice this is the byproduct of the left's embrace instead of individualism, individuality. To stand out in our collectivist culture, if you want to do drugs and stand out, go for it. We want to enable you to do your vices because how can we judge? A morally relativistic society in an age of individuality where everyone expresses themselves by their preferred pronouns, gets on TikTok and tells everyone what a deviant they are, and then wants to use as many drugs as possible. And the government's like, hey, we will pay for it all for you. Have a good time. We want you to be safe being a hedonist. Decline is a choice. Our society has made the choice decline. And Joe Biden's administration has decided to subsidize that decline. And the media has decided to lie about it and say it's not been made, the choice isn't real, and it's all a lie. And they're asking you to not believe your lying eyes. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Have you all heard this story? This happened Oh, when was it? I, I guess it was yesterday while I was while I was in New York. Um, a group of pro-abortion rights Democrats are urging their colleagues to update their terminology when it comes to talking about abortion. Uh, instead of saying choice, it's now decision. The Republicans seized on this immediately. Started talking about the number of babies Democrats decided to kill. Uh, Diane DeGette is a Democrat from Colorado, Barbara Lee of California. They distributed talking points on Thursday about this issue, uh, trying to push Democrats into different phrases. It really is telling that... Uh, the pro-abortion group of Democrats, by the way, they don't want you to say you're pro-choice anymore. You are pro-abortion. You support it. 
This, according to the pro-abortion rights Democrats in Congress, it's no longer a choice, it's a decision. It's no longer about the fear of back alley or coat hanger abortions, but about criminalizing health care. Instead of saying you want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare, say you want it to be safe, legal, and accessible. And instead of calling them unwanted pregnancies, call them unexpected pregnancies. This is really remarkable. By the way, I don't think this is helpful at all for their side. In fact, even Democrats in Congress are grumbling that this will hurt them with voters. When you're inside a cause and you believe passionately in the cause, sometimes you you don't understand what can hurt you with voters. It's like, for example, uh, there's this measure in Louisiana. Some members in the Louisiana legislature want to criminalize abortion and jail women who have abortions. Uh, I'm actually in favor of criminalizing abortion. I would target the doctors, though, not the the mothers. But nonetheless, um, in Louisiana, they want to target the moms. And there are some pro-lifers who say, let's do it. Let's go all in. Um, just as long as you understand and wear and, uh, and acknowledge that this will do to Republicans what defund the police did to Democrats. That is, cause there to be a voter backlash. And your question must then become, is it worth the backlash? And is it worth the backlash enough that when the other side takes over, they undo all the gains that you made and look more reasonable than you? There are political questions the chief advocates of a solution or a side tend not to pay attention to, but everybody else has to. I mean, I, look, I'm pro-life and I'm okay with it. Very much like people on the left are okay with defunding the police. The difference, however, is that I acknowledge in a way they don't that this will more likely than not lead to a backlash. My suspicion on my side is that it will not lead in criminalization to as much of a backlash as defunding the police will on the left. And so while I might lose, I might not lose by much. And so I can preserve the laws that I like uh, where the Democrats could not with theirs. It's a political calculation you got to make, but at least you need to be mindful of the political calculations. I think a lot of zealots in every cause uh, don't really think about the ramifications. I think for certain the pro-abortion caucus of the Democrats in Congress uh, saying that it's now a decision, not a choice, and that you are for abortion as opposed to are for choice, and that it's uh, instead of being safe, legal, and rare, you want it to be everywhere without exception. I don't think these things help them, and I think if they tried to put themselves in the shoes of other people, they'd realize it. But empathy and trying to see the other side's arguments or understand their concerns is a dying art form in this country. I mean, I get excoriated all the time on this show by listeners who otherwise like me because I dare to try to explain things from the vantage point of the other side. But I, I got to think in my worldview, trying to see the way the world works through the eyes of someone else or how they see the world helps me become better at persuading them they're wrong. I got to be able to understand their arguments honestly and present their arguments in the most charitable way possible so that I can then convince them they're wrong. If you just if they think I don't understand them, they're not going to listen to my solution. It's just remarkable though how uh, both sides these days, but particularly the pro-abortion crowd, are so inside a bubble, they can't fathom that there might be a legitimate worldview or a different viewpoint that disagrees with them that isn't heresy or apostasy, but is legit. That's why they keep losing the argument to the pro-lifers. Good.
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Joe Biden has decided to go to war against charter schools. I have to acknowledge I did not realize how badly Democrats despise charter schools. I didn't realize it was a thing. But we're seeing this real, and again, we're not the culture warriors on the right. Uh, all we want to do is is stand stand firm on on what's been, and the left keeps wanting to advance in Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago. The left wants to get rid of AP classes and honors classes. They want to get rid of magnet schools because everybody's equal. I have a theory. I got a theory here. My theory is that what's happening in the country right now, in large part, is an inability of progressives to recognize, admit, or even understand that their policies, going back to the great society, have really destroyed the nuclear family in the country. And the collapse of the nuclear family has a lot to do with all the problems we're seeing in the country. We People who are married and have kids, their kids do better. By the way, um, parents who are married, a nuclear household, and one parent stays home, and I'm not saying the mom, I'm just saying one parent stays home, those kids academically tend to do better than everybody else. In general, they do better than everybody else. One parent stays home, One parent works. The next parents who do best are the parents where both parents work, but they're married and have kids. They're not divorced. Two-parent nuclear household does better. When dad is gone, tends to do really, really badly. In fact, there's a lot of data that shows In single-parent households where it's the dad around, those kids do okay uh, and tend to be in better health. Dads tend to be more hypochondriac and get their kids to the doctor more often. And uh, a single-parent father tends to have the healthiest kids because he's always taking them to the doctor for reasons that I'm sure a psychiatrist could understand. Now, listen, I've got to say this because every time I mention this data, some angry woman somewhere emails me and says, I'm disrespecting single moms. I'm telling you what the data objectively shows. And if you're offended by the data, spare me your emails and try to get smart. I'm not insulting single moms. I'm telling you what the data shows. And if you're offended, I would suggest your offenses about yourself Not me. Spare me your hate mail. The data actually shows that a two-parent household where one parent works, one parent stays home, does the best. A two-parent household with two parents working is second. Third is single parent with father at home. And last is a single parent with mom at home. And the reason for this has a lot to do with and the single parenting stuff. Uh, there is a greater social support network for fathers, among other things. Uh, people feel sorry for a single dad. People don't feel sorry for a single mom. And so single moms have a harder time with kids typically. And then also there is a level of, of uh, kids at a certain point really do need a dad. And at a point when they're younger, they need a mom. 
Regardless, single-parent households tend to be at a disadvantage, and we have seen a growth in single-parent households over the decades as the Great Society came around from Lyndon Johnson and told parents, you know what, uh, Uncle Sam's man boob is sufficient. You don't really need two parents in the household. Uh, Uncle Sam's man boob can suffice and subsidize and take care of you, and the government stepping in for the role of a parent is no substitute for a parent. What happened from the 1960s to now as that began, and we had the collapse of households in this country, schools became more problematic. Now, listen, there are a lot of teachers out there who probably shouldn't be teaching, but there are an infinitely higher number of teachers who want to teach and can't teach because kids are coming to school with all sorts of problems and they're coming to school with all sorts of problems because they live in poverty, in collapsed families with one parent nowhere to be seen. Oftentimes, if they're particularly in inner city communities with a lot of violence around them, they're hungry, they're scared, and they're not gonna learn. And all of this is the fallout of a societal collapse. The morals of a society have collapsed. Marriages have collapsed, families have collapsed, and the kids are broken because the adults broke them. And I feel bad for teachers who get a terrible rap on failing kids or or not doing enough for kids when the, the teachers are doing the best they can in a society where they get the blame if the kids fall behind. And oftentimes, I mean, they're they're dealing with kids who aren't prepared to learn. They're coming to school hungry and worried. Uh, upset and and the teachers can't deal with them. It's it's terrible. You talk to the teachers, the things they see, and over time, teaching morphed into bureaucracy. You got to teach the test now. You can't actually teach the subject because the test is more important because the test is the thing by which we're going to judge whether the teacher is competently teaching the kid, not the level of academic prowess that the kid actually has. And so, the teacher having to protect the teacher's own job has to teach to the test. And then ultimately they become a bureaucrat and an administrator. And then over time, what the left has done is said, well, screw this knowledge stuff. Let's indoctrinate them. Let's teach them their pronouns and explore their sexuality instead of doing anything. Well, a lot of families got fed up about the state of education in the country. Some of them went homeschool. Some of them went private school. And then some genius came up with the idea of a charter school. Let's create a school that's in the public school system that gets public tax dollars to fund the school system, but allows them an escape from all the bureaucratic nonsense so many schools now do, where we put the bureaucratic nonsense in place for the teachers with kids who are failing. And if the teachers just dot every I and cross every T, the teacher can keep their job and have their job security, even as the kids graduate illiterate. So charter schools became a way out for many kids to stay in the public school system and get a good education outside the bureaucracy we've put up in public schools. And the left hates charter schools. I was stunned. I didn't realize how much the left hated charter schools until Stacey Abrams ran for governor in Georgia in 2018, and she came out vehemently, angrily opposed to charter schools, particularly charter schools that are operated by the state. See, what happened in in my state of Georgia, where I live, is a lot of local county school boards were killing the charter schools. And so the state was able to get a constitutional amendment passed. By the way, it was white Republicans and black women who supported this constitutional amendment that allowed the state to charter charter schools where local communities refuse. 
And Abrams came out against that, came out against state-run charter schools. Well, now the Obama administration had been opposed to charter schools. Now the Biden administration uh, is going beyond the Obama administration. The Obama administration tried to forge a third way where they didn't like charter schools, but they knew they were necessary. And so they accommodated charter schools. Now the Biden administration doesn't want them anymore. Jonathan Chait is a progressive. He is a real progressive. He is a hardcore progressive. And he writes in New York Magazine, he hates Republicans, he hates conservatives. He is a diehard progressive. But he also recognizes the value of charter schools. Over the last decade, evidence has grown increasingly strong that public charter schools create better educational outcomes, especially for low-income minority students in cities. The question hovering over the Biden administration has been whether it will encourage and work to improve charter schools, as the Obama administration did, or instead try to smother them as teachers' unions and some left-wing activists have urged. This spring, the administration released new guidelines restricting the $440 million in annual federal funding for charter schools. The effect of these guidelines, and almost certainly its objective, is to choke off the growth of public charters. The administration's proposed rules, which impose a blizzard of new conditions for accessing funds for charter schools, have three major flaws. First, they impose unnecessarily onerous application requirements that will make it hard for small charter schools to comply. Second, the rules require, or at least strongly encourage, charters to collaborate with the districts that operate schools in their area. Of course, since the purpose of charter schools is to provide competition and an alternative to schools that are failing, this effectively gives districts a veto to block competition. The requirements are the equivalent of letting Starbucks decide if anyone else can run a coffee shop in various communities, as Andy Rothertum puts it. Third, the rules push prospective new charter schools to demonstrate that existing public schools in the area do not have enough seats to meet existing demand. This completely misses the reason parents want charter schools, which is not because they lack access to a school, but because they lack access to a good school. Affluent parents who don't have a high-quality public school option can go to private school or move to a more affluent neighborhood. Charters give the chance at a decent education to parents who can't afford to do those things. And while the Biden administration is treating charters as a threat to the quality of existing traditional public schools, the evidence shows the opposite. One recent study finds that adding charter schools increases performance for students in all schools across the district. Another study finds that adding charters leads to higher performance in math and science for black and Latino students across the metropolitan area, as well as a narrowing of the racial achievement gap. The data has long shown that charter schools are good for education. The left, however, doesn't like charter schools because many times charter schools are not bound to union rules for the teachers' unions. In fact, uh, the Network for Public Education is a huge anti-charter school group and its funding comes from the teachers' unions. Joe Biden got a lot of money from the teachers' unions. 
Joe Biden wants to placate the teachers unions. This has nothing to do with your child. It has everything to do with placating people hostile to the education of your children. The teachers unions have given up on teaching in public schools. And they have decided because they have a captured audience, they can do what they like and they can advance their agenda and indoctrinate your kids. We have seen scores and scores of times around this country now where progressive school districts have given up on trying to teach your kids their ABCs and 123s and instead wanted to educate them on their pronouns and their sexuality. A school district in Wisconsin has filed sexual harassment complaints against two middle school students. Sexual harassment complaints against two middle school students in Wisconsin. Do you know what their crime was? They're going to be disciplined in the school system for sexually harassing two other students. Do you know what their crime was? They refused to use the chosen pronouns of the other student. They called the student with the pronouns of that student's biological sex. And so the school district says it's sexual harassment. This is what we're dealing with as a society right now, a madness. It is a madness that has sinked into the cultural elite of this country. It has poisoned their minds, and they intend to impose it on the rest of us. And parents who want an escape are vilified. Parents who want a way out of the madness are attacked. Their schools are attacked. At MSNBC today, they have a story that um, it is right-wingers and Christians who have taken over the homeschool movement, and it may be time to combat the homeschool movement because they're indoctrinating their kids into Christ-to-fascism, fascist Christianity. This is absurd. I know so many parents who homeschool their kids One, because local good schools aren't available to them and they can't afford private schools, so they take the income hit, give up one income, and and stay home and raise their kids as they see fit. It is their right constitutionally. These people want to find an abortion right in the Constitution. They cannot find it, and they dismiss the idea that a parent has the right to raise their child with their values and teach them and raise them and, and train them up in their ways. And the Biden administration wants to destroy charter schools that are routinely outperforming public schools because as long as a charter school exists and outperforms a public school, there's a question as to what are the teachers' unions and the bureaucracy of the public schools doing so that the public schools aren't able to compete at the level of the charter schools. What this is about is the suppression of truth and data. If you can make the charter schools go away, You have no data to show that schools can somehow outperform public schools while still being publicly funded. It is going to be a disaster for kids. And the Biden administration doesn't care about the kids. I mean, after all, they could have been aborted. Pathetic. Maybe not as pathetic in some cases as the air in your house. You need to clean that up. We, I woke up this morning to a giant water spot on my ceiling. Turns out the upstairs toilet has been leaking through the night. 
And if I can't get this contained and I was able to turn the toilet off, I know I'm going to get that mildewy odor in the house. Thankfully, I have the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. If it comes to that, I can eliminate the odors. I travel with this thing. I keep it in my suitcase because it wipes out the musty odors, the stinky odors, the fry odors, the pet odors, the smoke odors. can do it for you as well. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. Eden like the Garden of Eden, PureDeals.com. And use the discount code Eric three, E-R-I-C-K three. You will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You will save $200 and you will get free shipping. So you get three of these, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement, or like I do, I keep one at all times in my suitcase for when I travel, just in case I need it for a rental car or for a hotel room. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code is Eric three. Get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. It is too late for me to give you the phone number. Uh, I want to circle back to a story that is um, more specific in Georgia than anywhere else. Vice President Mike Pence has endorsed Brian Kemp for governor for his reelection bid and will head to Georgia the day before the election. Uh, the election is May 24th. That's the primary in Georgia. Uh, he said, uh, this is his quote, Brian Kemp is one of the most successful conservative governors in America. He built a safer and stronger Georgia by cutting taxes, empowering parents and investing in teachers, funding law enforcement and standing strong for the right to life. Brian Kemp is my friend, a man dedicated to faith, family and the people of Georgia. I'm proud to offer my full support for four more years of Brian Kemp as governor of the great state of Georgia. They're going to do a rally in uh, the North Metro Atlanta area the day before the election. I think they're they're locking in details. They have reached out to me and asked if I would be there. I will be there uh, for the event and then also emceeing the primary night uh, at the Kemp party at the um, at the Kemp event. I'll be at both locations. Uh, glad to do it. He's an upstanding man. And he's done a fantastic job as governor of the state of Georgia. Um, And I think people should support him. I have tried to stay out of most of the races. I don't have a dog in all the fights, but I just I'm appalled uh, that people would vote against Chris Carr. He's a wonderful guy, the attorney general and and, uh, John King, insurance commissioner. um, Fantastic. And Rich McCormick, of course, of the 6th Congressional District in Georgia. Um, I, um, have Gary Black joining me on Monday. Haven't decided, uh, who to vote for in that race yet. I want to hear from all the, uh, candidates or no, is is it Monday or Tuesday? Gary Black is going to join me in studio next week. He's the ag commissioner and Herschel Walker has declined to be on with us. So you'll hear from all the candidates with me other than Herschel Walker in that race. Uh, but the primary's coming and vice president Pence will be here.